This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never, the movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to be doing something a little different from normal. Today, we're going to be watching a movie that I'm very, very excited to see. The Room from 2003. But this is a movie that I think is best enjoyed communally. So I decided to invite a bunch of people to come watch it. Some people have seen it, some people have not, and we're going to see how their reactions go. First, I'm going to introduce a couple of usual suspects. Today we have Aaron and Faith. Hi, guys. Hello. It's a pleasure to be back. Now, you guys have seen this movie, correct? We have. Several times. And uh, do you have an overall opinion on it? Uh, I love this movie. I had no idea what it was about or anything about it before you showed it to me maybe six months ago. Subsequently watched it maybe three or four times in a month. It's one of the best, uh, better late movies that I've ever seen. Erin? Ooh, that was a big... Ringing endorsement. Yeah, big endorsement. I have similar sentiments. Uh, it's a movie I always wanted to see, and then you had actually shown it to me at the same time Faith saw it. I loved it as much as I thought I did, I would, and it definitely even surpassed my expectations. Cool. Well, we'll come back to you guys in a second. Today we also have two newbies, my friends Justin and Ben. Hello, guys. hey Hi-yo. <laughs> so, first off, I just want to acknowledge, Justin, you are responsible for the intro song on this show. That's correct. And I think it's awesome. Thank you. And thank you very much. Ben, uh, you haven't done anything for this show, so <laughs> I would kind of appreciate if you would leave. <laughs> no, I want to see this movie. Oh, well, okay. Well, in that case... You guys, a lot of the pressure is going to be on you two during this first part because it's all about expectations and uh, preconceptions. So let's start with, have you guys heard of this movie? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And what's its reputation? I mean, I, its reputation pretty much unanimously is that it's the worst movie ever made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I keep hearing over and over again. I mean, it's the worst movie ever made so bad that it's the best movie ever made. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Right. Do you have any kind of sense about what this movie's about? I know that, well, I, I know that there's like a love triangle. Oh. And mm -hmm. um, I also know that the Tommy Wiseau is like essentially played every role. So he's like the star, the director, the producer, the writer, essentially. 
Um, but other than that, I don't really know much. I feel like I, I actually know a lot of things about this movie, but none of them fall into the realm of content. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually yeah. have, I have no idea what this is about. I know some, some of the things that I happen. nothing about the plot. But no, like really. the plot is a complete mystery. To me. Well, uh, what do you know? Lay on us. I know that... Um, uh, actually, can I interrupt you really quick? Uh, have you read or seen the book The Disaster Artist? No. No. Wait, read or a... seen the book or movie, the I should book? say. <laughs> was it no. a book before it was a movie? It yeah, was a book it was before it was a movie. Oh, okay. I didn't even know it was a book. But, was a book. Okay, but I mean, go ahead. I'm aware of the movie The Disaster Artist. Yeah. I know that it's like recreating the, the mm-hmm. making of this film as kind of like a bio biopic biopic i have i go back and forth on biopic and biopic yeah it sounds like i think it's biopic yeah but i argue that it's biopic because you wouldn't say biography yeah but biopic just sounds like like some sort of uncomfortable surgery yeah yeah oh i had to go in for a biopic exactly like an eye disorder myopic yeah yeah but i think it's biopic I, I think I think we can use both. I think <laughs> we don't have to fight about that. We're we have so much to fight about in this world. <laughs> if people could only just love each other. Uh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Go ahead. Don't spoil the message of the movie. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so wait, what was the question? What do I know? Uh, what do you actually know? I know that there's like an infamous sex scene mm-hmm. that um, there was supposed to be like several sex scenes in the movie and that somehow they could only film it once and so they had to recycle it hmm. so i know that or that, that's what i think mm-hmm. i know don't look at us for reactions <laughs> I, I guess i don't really know any plot points but i do know that not only has this movie been sort of criticized as the worst ever made but that the plot is pretty inconsistent and a bit of a you know a bit, a bit disorganized or okay. at least i've I've, I've read. I feel like, what's his name? The guy that made... Tommy Wiseau? Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, I feel like he has, like, a, like, a Eastern European accent, maybe, and, like, trying to sound American, you know? It's like, Guy, hey, guys, I'm down with the cool. <laughs> right. Are there any quotes that you might have associated with this movie? <laughs> I, I no. know that there's quotes, because people keep, like, quoting it, but to me, all the quotes, having not seen the movie, all the quotes feel incredibly vague. I feel like one of the quotes is like, oh, hey, so-and-so, <laughs> like, something like that, or like, oh, hello. <laughs> like, and people are like, oh, you haven't seen The Room? And I'm like, no, I just thought you were saying hi. I don't understand why that's a thing. Okay. I yeah. mean, no, no, I have absolutely no idea about any quotes or okay. any of the dialogue. So is it fair to say then that this movie has been pretty hyped up? Oh yeah, certainly yeah, and I think particularly since the the disaster artist, because I hadn't I hadn't even heard of this movie, I didn't even know it existed until that that came out like a few years ago, mm. and then I you know and then find oop, and then finding out that it was like based on or, or sort of told the story about a a different a movie. real thing yeah, yeah yeah I had actually no idea that this movie existed and I mm. was shocked to find out it came out in two thousand and three I thought it was like from the nineties. So I didn't realize it was so recent. I like thought 20- it was more recent. Than 2003? Yeah, because oh. I haven't actually heard about it until like a few years ago. So. Hmm. Well, it's yeah. actually kind of hard to find. Like it's not on yeah. streaming. It's not on Netflix. And it also, I mean, this movie was a flop when it came yeah, out and yeah. kind of became popular through word of mouth and other means gradually. Yeah, I read too. it. It was so only released it in It could feel more recent. In California. Yeah. Although I did see today ironically because we are recording this today that somebody posted the entire movie onto youtube oh nice 
and that it's available to be watched on YouTube. Interesting. I'm surprised that it took so long. To- yeah. It probably goes up and gets taken down periodically. Yeah. Yeah. But it has been hyped in the same way that anything that is like so terrible that it's amazing gets hyped. You know, people are like, yeah. you have to see this. Yeah. Normally, I go into specific predictions and write them down. Uh, we can do that. I feel like given the format this week, we'll play a little fast and loose with, uh, you know, the organization. But, fast uh, and loose is my middle name. <laughs> I gave you that name. That was our name, our private name. Um, but do you guys have any specific predictions or anything you're expecting to see? Um, we already got a sort of quote. I'm I am predicting some really amazing special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't. I guess. Yeah, I don't actually know. My, I mean, I predict that it's going to be like very uh, all over the place, but I don't. I can't predict any like plot elements because, like I said, I have no idea what the actual plot is. Right. Well, one of you mentioned that you're expecting a love triangle, right? Yeah, I think I think that was that's a part of the plot that I feel like I know. I mean, what kind of movie do you think this is? I think it's supposed to be a comedy. Okay. I know. I think it's supposed to be like a drama. Like, drama. what about a maybe a dramedy? Oh. Yeah. So you're saying a combo of a com- drama and comedy. like a like an Orange Is the New Black why style? Would, why wouldn't it be called a crama? It could be a crama as well. Well, would we pronounce it crama or crama? Crama. <laughs> That's my other middle name. Oh my god. <laughs> I gave you that note. Um, sounds like the follow-up procedure to a biopic. biopic. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, you don't want to develop a crama after your biopic. <laughs> your biopic results came back and we're going to have to go in for a crama. We're going to have to up your antibiotic dose because... Uh... Um, okay. Well, in that case, do you have any last things that you may have written down or anticipated that you might want to talk about? Well, you asked in the email that you sent us to prepare for this. Okay. In response to which Ben and I have taken extensive notes. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's hear Pages it. Of notes. You asked who do we think is going to be in this movie? Yes. And I mean, other than that guy whose name I can't remember. Yeah, the only person I know is in the movie is Tommy Wiseau. And I'm sure everyone else will be completely unknown actors. Okay. And yeah, that's... I already said, you know, amazing special effects. I'm expecting that. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Let's turn over to our more experienced viewers for a quick sec before we get started. So guys... Uh, Faith, you mentioned once already, but maybe one more time. How many times have you actually seen this movie? It's hard to remember the number of times because after I saw it for the first time, I immediately wanted to see it again. I was like, I don't need to wait more than a week to see this movie again. So I think I may have seen it three to four times in like a couple months, but it's probably maybe four or five months since I've seen it. Faith, would you call yourself a super fan of this movie? I guess that would be a fair characterization, although there might be people who have seen this movie like dozens of times, so I don't know how they would feel about me characterizing myself that way. Right. Faith, did you like immediately go home and watch it alone after seeing it? No comment, Aaron. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) I don't blame you, Aaron. I think I've seen it two or three times, but again, in the same... I, I, I saw it a fraction of the amount of times with Faith. I think she's been there every time I've seen it. 
she has seen it subsequent times, I guess, privately. Cool, cool. And as for myself, I first saw this movie in college. I loved it right away. And I'm really excited to show it to you guys for the first time today. So uh, with that being said, I think we should watch this movie. All right, here we go. Let's Let's get started. Oh, hi, The Room. (laughs) This is the part where we're watching the movie. And now it's done. Oh, hey, Dave. Hey, everyone. Oh, Oh, hey there. Oh, hi, guys. Oh, hi, guys. Now I get it. Oh, hey, Ben. Welcome back. So... That was The Room. Now, normally we uh, have kind of a format to this, but we'll play it a little looser than normal since we're a big group. Let's start with our experienced viewers who've seen it before. Guys, this on your like 100th viewing. Yeah. How'd you feel? It was still so great. (laughs) It holds up? You know, I still enjoyed it so much. Absolutely. Um, the room is a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> and you two are newbies. I mean, yeah, I loved uh, it. I feel like a different person. Now. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't think of anything else but just like, wow. I do feel like I le- legitimately I feel like my mind has been exposed to something brand new. <laughs> it, it really is. It felt like a whole new way of movie making. Well, it was definitely that. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the first thing we talk about in part two is the background to the making of the movie. And so Greg Sestero met Tommy Wiseau in an acting class in 1998. And I should say all this information comes from the internet, Wikipedia, IMDb. And I had planned on trying to read The Disaster Artist before doing this, but then Netflix had to drop BoJack Horseman and American Vandal. It's Last been week. a hard time for yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really <laughs> selfish you. of them. I was too busy. So How dare they? there is some information in here that does come from the Disaster Artist, though, which is the uh, book by Greg Sestero, who played Mark. Oh. Also, Aaron and I have both seen which the Disaster, the disaster Artist. Yes. Is so we can definitely on. speak to that as well. Right. So Greg uh, wrote the book. Mm-hmm. With a, with the help from like a professional ghostwriter, yes. Oh, okay. But it's it's his like memoir of the making of the film, yes. And uh, Aaron and Faith have seen the film adaptation. So, in which James Franco plays Tommy Wiseau. Right. Yeah, very well. Very well. Yeah, cool. All right. So they meet in 1998. Uh, Greg is 19 years old when they first meet. Hmm. Tommy is unclear. He's <laughs> never been very clear about how old he is. He's also 19. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, same age. Same age. Around the same age is mm-hmm. how he describes. Born the same year. Right. Well, I think it's fair to say that he's probably a little older than that. But um who's to say really? I mean, if only we could learn to accept each other more, the world would be a better place. <laughs> uh they're in this acting class and Tommy's acting, as you might expect, was pretty bonkers, but Greg Sestero found him interesting and he admire- admired his uh fearlessness, his, his panache. Yeah. And so they become friends. They work together as struggling actors for a while, but eventually, trying to make a part for himself, Tommy writes The Room. The movie cost $6 million to make. I just can't believe that. And in today's money, it's $8 million. Wow. <laughs> I cannot believe that. What do you mean? You don't think all that money wound up on screen? Um, I'm not sure where all that money went. 
Well, a lot of roses. I mean, a lot, yeah, that's cheap. true. A really high candle budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did he pay himself a gigantic sum of money in the making of this? Well, I don't he know. financed it himself. There's two opening uh, sequences for the film company. Uh-huh. It's Wiseo Films and then Wiseo Films. Yeah. So. It was a dual production. Yeah. <laughs> they really team, teamed up on that one. It definitely didn't go on costume budget. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, no. Everyone just brought their own clothes. Yeah, everyone Maybe was just was... wearing what they had in their closet. Maybe they had to pay a lot for those like sweeping, repeatedly sweeping um, shots of San Francisco. The panning shots. They did. I would have no idea it was in San Francisco though. Without I didn't realize yeah. stock footage costs like millions of dollars. It's possible. <laughs> Tommy did commission the writing of several R and B songs to be used during the sex music. Scenes in yeah, this movie. music, music. By yeah. uh, was it by Wayman Davis and. Kitra Williams. <laughs> oh, wow. You're familiar. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of their work? <laughs> yeah, actually. I was like, oh, that's Kidra. That's yeah. Kid Rock? Kitra. Oh, Kitra. <laughs> yeah, I had my first kiss in like 94 to uh, a Waylon Davis song. I remember was it when You're we my Rose? to prom. Yeah. yeah. You dip me every time. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> Wayman. <laughs> it, it was different in the 90s. I guess you know? too, like... Part of the money could have went to all that stuff he destroyed when he trashed his apartment mm-hmm. sure. in his terror. TVs were more expensive back then, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Because that was actually the first scene shot in the movie, so then they had to replace everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but actually, what are the theories of like where the money went? He uh-huh, just yeah. just... Okay, well, first of all, as for the money, where did he get $6 million? Right. That is unclear. Tommy Wiseau funded the whole movie himself, like you two said. Uh, but through uncertain means... Um, when asked about it, one of the popular answers that he gives, because there's more than one, is that he funded it by selling leather jackets from Korea. He must have sold a lot of leather jackets. Yes. Another theory is that he was just independently wealthy. There is a theory kicking around on the internet that he seduced an old lady and got her to pay for it. So, I mean... Was it the mom Cla- character was, was based on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He also... Yeah, Lisa's mom. Hooked her was... up with a role in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. Tit for tat. Um, Tit for tat. Well, in The Disaster Artist, we do get some clues on where the money went. Tell oh, us. okay. So, basically, there were lots... Like, when you're making a movie, you can do a number of things like renting equipment, renting studio space... But Tommy Wiseau, like, bought all those things. Like, he bought, like, a $500,000 camera, and then the camera operators were like, you could just rent this. He was like, no, we need to, like, own all our own equipment. Because he had no idea how movies were actually made. (laughs) So he just made it up on the spot based on, like, what he thought movies were. And I guess this is a good point where we start transitioning into what we think of the directing in this movie. This movie was directed by the man himself, Tommy Wiseau, and I think it's fair to say... He had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's part of what makes me feel like a different person now is I've encountered the inner workings of someone's mind mm-hmm. that like this movie could only have been made by one person. Yeah. You know, it is so just the inside workings of Tommy Wiseau's head just up there on it's screen. True. That yeah. is the one thing I know for sure is that I feel when I'm watching the movie, I understand Tommy <laughs> Wiseau. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Who he was. Who he was. Who he the many was. voices yeah. of him. I also think that the general, like, imperfection and imperfections of the whole movie really added, like, quite a nice touch. It yeah. definitely makes it unique. unique. Like, that's one of the things about this movie is that there are a lot of bad movies out there. Mm-hmm. And there can sometimes be a sameness to those bad movies where they're not 
fun to watch, but there's like a base level competence to them that sort of makes them boring. Mm-hmm. This movie's not boring. No, right? no, I was boring would not be. Yeah, this that makes it not boring. Like yeah. you're like, has Tommy Wiseau ever seen a movie before? Right, right. And um, boring would not be a descriptor I would use for this movie. Lisa all. might think it's boring. But Lisa thinks a lot of things are boring. Hard. She's hard to keep excited. She doesn't like to talk about it though. Yeah, oh, don't worry about it. it. Don't worry she about it. Definitely guys. doesn't like to talk about it. Um, there uh, was a point though where I was like, "Wait, is all the dialogue in this movie overdubbed?" And there's a lot of voiceover, right? There's there a is, lot yeah. of voiceover. Yeah, but like, it's not all. Like, there no. are moments when you're like, "Oh, I guess this is not." It's, it's not only cons- sometimes. It's not yeah. consistent. Yeah. Like, there's like blurry shots. There's like people coming in and out of focus. It also seems like the dubbed over parts are mostly when they're not in the the house in the room. Mm. that that sort of living room because it a lot of the one a lot of it was when they're like out shopping or getting coffee or getting flowers and that seemed to be dubbed over wait yeah. then do you think what do you which room do you think is the room <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the room is the living room because mm. a lot of it takes place a lot of the whole movie takes place there i think it's the bedroom with all the mosquito nets yeah <laughs> I have no answer for you. Well, yeah, right. what, what I, guys, I think it's a metaphorical room, guys. Yeah. The room of your mind. What would yeah. you guys think if the room was inside all of us? I feel like that's deep. Yeah, to really. get it out. I also <laughs> feel like that is deep. Yeah, it's yeah. very deep. For the record. Yeah. Tommy Wiseau wanted to shoot this movie on 35mm film and HD video simultaneously. In order to do this, they required a custom-built device that allowed the two cameras to be used at the same time. A lot of people were confused as to why they would want to do this, but they did it anyway. (laughs) Only the film is used in the movie. None of the video. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Actors were fired or left during the filming constantly. Oh, that's probably why the oh, that's psychologist why there's only... yep. falls when he's wearing the suit and then he never comes back. Keep that in mind. And also why there's so many new characters all the time where you're like, who yeah. is this? Greg originally wasn't going to be played by Mark. He, Mark was just a crew member on the film, but that you guy Mark left. wasn't going to be played by Greg? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, they're so similar in my mind. <laughs> um the girl who plays Lisa, Juliette Danielle, was not originally Lisa, but that actress left. Peter, the psychologist, leaves partway through the movie. The deal with him is that that actor said he had a limited amount of time, but they just didn't get his stuff finished. So at one point in the movie, he falls down and says... For no reason. For no reason at all. And says, all right, you guys, I'm out of here. And a lot of people take that to be the actor finally just leaving <laughs> the production. Not, it wasn't part of the script. He just <laughs> never comes back. That's wow. him being like, I'm leaving this film. Like, I'm out of here. That was like a shattering of the fourth yeah. wall. He was so sick of it when he fell when he fell over. Well, it's like also they didn't adapt the script to like match what events were happening in real time like during the production. So they say hi character name so many times in the film but then other people be introduced and they never like say what their names are yeah it's yeah it's pretty clear that their chronology was messed up um also just to finish off with peter because peter left his role was then taken up by another guy who you may have noticed later in the film my favorite one he's my favorite why are you doing this i feel like i'm standing on an uh, uh, we're sitting on an atomic bomb (laughs) but i just too I just feel like how how they didn't even bother to make that connection. Like, I had no idea that was supposed to be Peter. What is that character's name? Yeah, they don't say it. I think they keep it vague, probably so that you're not, like, 
but all of his lines are so clearly the lines of someone who's been established already. They're yeah. just Peter's lines yeah. given to another guy. But that means this dude just rolls in during the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie and just acts like he's been there the whole time. Well, he's one of their closest friends. He doesn't want the friend group to be broken up because right. of this. No one does. Everyone cares very much about this friend group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for Lisa. But, you uh, seem like the only one, too, who had any sort of desire to try and make Lisa feel guilty about what she was doing. Well, that's the funny thing, though, is that he comes in from nowhere and is immediately at, like, a 10 yeah, in terms yeah. of his emotional intensity. Yeah. He just sees what's happening and goes, the fuck are you doing, Lisa, you yeah. bitch? You're going to ruin everything. And you're like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Sense. How can you do this to Johnny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. So uh, I guess with that discussion, we can uh, roll on to talk about the cast a little bit. I do also want to toss out one other thing, though, is that... Um, Tommy Wiseau, when writing the movie, was inspired by the film The Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh. Does that come across to you, Ben? Mm. <laughs> mm, Who's the Matt Damon character? Well, the character of Mark is actually named for Matt Damon. It's just, despite being told that it was Matt, uh, Tommy Wiseau heard it wrong as Mark. <laughs> Mark Damon? Yeah. He's, so he's Mark Damon. Yeah. Matt's I, cousin. I have to say, I don't see a lot of parallels. Well, he gave it his best. Yeah. Um, and then just for the writing, I think we can all agree, incredibly repetitive yeah, in the dialogue. There's a lot of, yeah. it's like confusingly repeated dialogue where like one character will say one thing and then in their response, the other character will repeat the same kind of like. Well, and it's speaking of repetition, there is a scene partway through the movie where one character comes in and then just does a monologue describing a scene that we've already watched. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That actually happened several times, I feel like. Yeah. What is that character's name? The guy uh, with the frosted oh, That is Mike. I think it's Mike. Mike. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. Looks like a Trevor. Um, but not only is there too much exposition, but there's also too little. Like, the, there's a constant repetition of like. What are our relationships? He's my best friend. Yeah. She's your future wife. But they never like talk about anything else that would kind of ground us in the reality. It well, they definitely seems like it's written by an ESL speaker. Definitely. Um, mm. Like his vocabulary is limited. Very limited. His grammar is terrible. And there's a lot of things that he says that I don't think he meant to say that. Like when Denny says, I just like watching you guys. <laughs> like I don't think... <laughs> I don't think he understands how that line comes across because English is just clearly not his first language. Oh, Danny. Well, they uh, also touch upon, like, very briefly things and then never come back to the, them again. Like, what is actually Tommy's job? What is Lisa's job? Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of loose ends. With Tommy's job, there's mention. He's like, something about the banks. Like, there's clients at the banks or he works for the bank, but there's computer. The, the computer business the is just too competitive. Like, and also, Lisa runs a Lisa runs a brothel in her, from her apartment. Right. That's the her job. Notes I have for Tommy Wiseau's job. Computers, banks, clients, confidential. Right. Some government thing, I think. Maybe. But he didn't get the promotion. <laughs> that was really what started all this. Let's talk about Johnny a little bit. What do we think of Tommy Wiseau acting in the role of Johnny? Um, I just... I, a for effort. Yeah. I mean, he really... Well, he just seems like floppy and dreamlike in this way that's like really interesting. Like, he doesn't have that much strength to move around. <laughs> Despite his I, I, I was taking down notes and I wrote that he uh, had confusing angles to his face. And that he moves kind of like a curtain. Don't you feel like, though, it was quite earnest? 
Like, do you think he was doing it earnestly? Oh my god, and he, yes. He feels like he's a good actor. He was trying yeah. to do method. Right? He was trying to do method acting. Okay. Also, just a, mo- a, a note on Justin's notes. He has so many notes that they are <laughs> spread across this table right now. A for Mr. effort, Justin. Thank you. What do we think of Greg Sestero as Mark? I thought he was pretty hot. My first impression was like he's he's pretty hot. He had like a GI Joe type look. Yeah. Mm. Um, Surprisingly, he got less hot when he shaved. I don't think that's weird at all. I think most people do. It's standard. It Not necessarily. A, I, don't know. I feel like it. Like a beard makes your mind fill in what the face looks like underneath, and your mind fills it with your ideal. Mm. Well, shaving his beard was actually quite controversial on the production. Yes, so there was, was like it? a lot of. Sim- it seemed like a symbolically like heavy moment. It was there, very. There was a lot yeah. of emphasis. There was like a. A dramatic they push in on his face it was both was like, symbolic and real drama around the beard shaving oh so, yeah. really do tell was he not supposed to shave his beard he did it without telling anyone no he actually he had requested to keep his beard because he got offered a role a, a, like a an actual role that would have been very good for his career on and... the tv show malcolm in the middle oh <laughs> he I'm was gonna actually... have a bit part right with brian cranston that was a, a connection and then he wanted to keep it, but Tommy was like, no, you need to film this really important scene where you shave your beard and it's like a big moment because everyone's like, you look great. It's in the script. They couldn't change it. And then um, he asked if he could keep his beard and Tommy said no. So when he did turn down the other role and shaved his beard, but he's he was so pissed during the filming of that part. Hmm. He was like it's fuming. It's very interesting to watch the movie after seeing The Disaster Artist because you can... Under, you can see the tensions behind the scenes come out on screen. Like they weren't friends after this movie was finished. Right. But mm. what was the, like, aside from the real life drama, which is not communicated through the movie if you don't know about it. Mm. Right. What is that moment supposed to mean? Like, Who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah. There's so it's much emphasis on it. It's like, it's like a transformation, but like from what to what? <laughs> yeah. Well, he kind of yeah. becomes evil Mark after he shaves his beard. It's true. Because he was, and he, he, I mean, you have to admit, he's so confused through the whole movie what, on whether to be with Lisa or not. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's never his fault. Maybe shaving the beard was like shaving the, his brains his, away. His morals yeah. away. I think he already had no brains. No, he's very no. impressionable. He's probably the he's most inc- easily convinced character I've ever encountered. <laughs> he's dumb, guys. Yeah, he's dumb. He's, he's he acts dumpy dumb. he is. Yeah. He's a talking brick. Like, there's conversations later on where they're having a heavy conversation. He'll just interject, just being like, yeah, I think I want to move into a bigger apartment. <laughs> <laughs> or just, yeah, doesn't understand, like, social clues. Like, I mean, what so do you will mean? be like, hey, baby. Okay. Hi. Oh, hey, Lisa. <laughs> you want to come over? Sure, okay. no problem. Like, there's just a tonal difference. What are you doing? I mean, to be fair, Lisa is, like, a, a master soci- manipulator. Yeah, she's yeah. a sociopath. Yeah, she is. She gets diagnosed. What was also with Mark's story on the roof about his friend who beat up his girlfriend? <laughs> and then <laughs> good story. <laughs> yeah, and then Tommy Wiseau just laughs, laughs about it. He has inappropriate reactions to things sometimes. <laughs> he laughs at most things. Yeah, he does. He does. But that was a story about a, a woman who was beat up to the point of being had to be hospitalized. <laughs> <laughs> so why is he? Laughs? What a story! <laughs> what a story! I think he says that's an interesting story, Mark. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, it is. It's true. What if I was to tell you, and I got this from the internet, so I can't fully vouch for its accuracy, but it was on Wikipedia, so 
hang on to your hats. Yeah. What if I was to tell you that Mark's backstory was originally planned to be that he was an undercover vice agent, and that's why he's always like he's always busy and he's always like coming in weird outfits and like he's got a lot of stress on his mind. That was all cut for time, but do you think it makes his actions make more sense? A vice agent? Yeah, he's like an undercover. He was he a narc. does seem like he's on uh, drugs. You know, Maybe that's well, why they didn't have to call the police when they uh, got that drug dealer. Mark right, just, maybe. you know, took him downtown. And also in that joint on the rooftop, like, is that confiscated weed that he grabbed from the uh, Must have evidence been. room? I'm also thinking about that, like, the first scene where we are introduced to Mark, he's in a car and he has dark glasses on and the camera's really close to his face so you can't really tell where he is. And so maybe when they started filming, they were going for that uh, angle. That yeah. was kind of... That's actually a good introduction for somebody who's like an agent. Right, because if like they'd zoomed out a little bit, you would have seen like he had his badge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. definitely in shape. We see him and Tommy like working out together. Oh my God, yeah. Well, we see their bods, dude. True. Those guys are cut. He's also the only one who apparently knows how to throw and hold a football. Most of the time. He sidearms it a little bit. Okay. But they all love football so much. So much. And they've yeah. clearly the used one everywhere. before. <laughs> and they all i love how they're also throwing football throwing the football at like the most like, inopportune and, like and in, away from inopportune, inopportune times and most inconvenient places and also not only in like activity clothes but in tuxedos in everyday clothes also in, standing incredibly close to each other like, close i'm to each surprised other. they don't throw it during sex oh yeah. my god yeah that it doesn't no, that's make the entrance. rose play time there's time good point for roses right. and there's good times point. for right. football that every good american knows that we're just normal American guys <laughs> hanging out in the alley. Tossing the old pigskin, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of Russian there. And also maybe a little I mean, Canadian. who knows? Like, where, where, where is Tommy where is from? from? Is he not Russian? <laughs> he might be a Russian Canadian. Any I know, speculation? I, know. I feel like he's like... Transylvania? Czechoslovakia. Yeah. I definitely think Transylvania. Think, are we talking about like, Tommy? I feel like he's Eastern European. It's got to be Eastern European. Yeah. Vampire. Like somewhere there where there's no sunlight. <laughs> he's, he seems like he a is quite pale. grayish blue. Like, yeah. Grayish blue. Like, yes. did he get makeup for this movie? Like, I can see Mark wearing makeup, but I can't tell if Tommy is. Or he was like, make me paler. I mean, also for someone who kind of, you know, who I assume is over 40, he has like a pretty nice body. Tommy Let's Wiseau. talk about Tommy Wiseau's body for a minute. <laughs> this is going to be the longest Less. segment of the podcast, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. I've been waiting for this. No, I'm kidding. I have always felt that Tommy Wiseau looks like someone who has a good body and then melted a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is waxy. He stayed out in the sun too long. Mm-hmm. There's also, it seems like there's a strange texture maybe. Well, I feel like it seems to like droop or drip a little yes, bit. Especially yeah. in his face. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Kind of like face melting. I feel like we're being mean, but But know. we he well, does no, show us his butt well, quite a lot. You said that. And it's really? not like Is it more than once? Um yes. yeah. Well, oh, it's the it same the shot, same. but we see it several times. Right. Another yeah. side note, I guess, actually, just from watching the disaster artist, he insisted he did not think this movie would be successful. Unless he showed his ass, yeah, like that was actually. I mean, I agree. got it flaunted. I agree. Mm-hmm. That was the selling point. Everyone did they was also... like, "Tommy, this is so this is so unnecessary," and he it was like a. Did he also think make that? Or break. Did he also think that sh- having Lisa show her breasts 
repeatedly and a lot that that was also necessary to be successful? Not as necessary as his butt is wow. what I'm saying. Wow. Like that, okay. he's like, it doesn't matter about her boobs. Everyone wants to see my butt. And wow. I'm like, well, there's also no chemistry this. between Johnny or Lisa or Lisa and Mark. No, none. Literally not even. Like, for all they the sex... all look so uncomfortable. Yeah, for all the sex scenes in the movie, they were pretty blasé. <laughs> so there's the sex scene, the infamous sex scene. Which one are we referring to I mean, now? I don't know one which one's the infamous one. Johnny and Lisa. What did you observe about it? That uh, that he was aiming quite high <laughs> in his thrusting technique, and that was confusing. <laughs> but he was like thrusting. Yeah. Like you see those ass muscles clench. Right into her belly button. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's the best there, if you haven't tried, Faith. It was so cringeworthy because you could tell that, especially she was so uncomfortable. Like there was... Right. Aaron, is it you who had the observation about what it seems like Greg is thinking during a sex scene or what his vibe is? I I mean, the Greg, Lisa, the Mark Lisa sex scene definitely feels like they're at a sexual reorientation camp (laughs) and they put two people that are gay together and like, okay. You will do this. Yeah, he, yeah. This is makes convince sex. Convince us that you makes like sex. it. Con- it's yeah, like a exactly. make sex. Make sex. <laughs> make sex now. It's like a conversion therapy. Exactly. Yeah. That's it, what it looks like. It did like seem kind of stiff. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So stiff. Well, speaking of the acting by uh, Lisa, let's talk about Juliet Danielle as Lisa. What do we think of her acting? She just had so many good lines, I have to say. I think um, Lisa's yeah. character. So many like, good lines. Not just her acting, but the character. Hers is the only character that has any kind of like development. Like, yeah. You know, like none of the other ones like change in any way. Hers, she goes from, you're like, you're kind of wondering if she's like sincere and honest and really is just like not in love with them anymore. And then she gets really evil. And then she develops all over the place. Actually towards the end of the movie, I was like, I think this movie is about her being a witch. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. There's a supernatural. And actually, so she's like such a witch. Like all the men want her. She's really into candles. Casting spells. She (laughs) is like, she has an unclear job room at one point. That's right. She tells lies. She has a temper and she develops a familiar in the form of a, Mark. Mm. And I know. I, oh, sorry. Just one quick thing. I would say that there is one other character who has some development, and that's Mark, but it's only in that Lisa drags him down into right. the depths of depravity with her. Right. So, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I think we just shouldn't uh, discount Lisa's toxic relationship with her mother. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. How did Lisa get to be the way she was? There are some that's clues. True. I like that that's not spelled out. It's just kind of hinted at. Why, did, why is Lisa like this? It's hinted at hard, though. Advice, yeah, yeah. Well, the mother like... Yes, advice includes quotes from the mom. You can't support yourself. (laughs) You can't do anything, honey. You are useless. You just need a man. Women and men use and abuse each other all the time. It's fine. Marriage has nothing to do with love. (laughs) And finally, no one wants to help me and I'm dying of breast cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Are you sure you Strangely have breast cancer? unfazed by the breast cancer diagnosis. I definitely have breast cancer. Don't worry about don't it. Don't worry about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, I mean, the, that advice is just, you're right. It's very toxic. Um, you can see where Lisa's that, attitude comes attitude from. Stem from. But generally, as an actress, good or bad? Claudette or Lisa? I just feel no, bad for Lisa. her. I just Lisa. want to like... You feel bad for her? I yes. feel like she was given an impossible task. Yeah. yeah. I feel character. Like, yeah, and I also feel like given such an, such a high bar, such an impossible task, like, she kind of met it. She yeah. was pretty believable at points. 
I think she did her best. Yeah. I think she did her she, best too. And also like it must be it, like it's no it's a tall order to make that kind of pizza order. <laughs> and she did it with gusto. Oh, we all really appreciated that moment. We had gusto. to pause the movie she, for a second. Half right. Canadian bacon with pineapple, half artichoke with pesto, <laughs> and light on the cheese. Clearly, <laughs> again, and then just hangs up like a script written by a true American writer. Yeah, that's a normal American. <laughs> yeah. And I love that she gets that line and she delivers it like it's not. I think it's called the Tommy. Like, like she's it's not so madness. Com- yeah, she's also so confident that the pizza place will not fuck it up. She just <laughs> hangs up immediately after delivering it and doesn't even double check that they got it They're like right. what's your address well later they show a pizza on a table and it's definitely like a cheese pizza it's, it's well the pizza up. place probably refused to make it they're like listen we'll deliver you exactly. pepperoni but we are not making whatever the fuck you ordered we can't get canadian bacon at this hour right like and what a combination i mean of course they mess it up it was so fucking complicated and that would taste terrible side by side the Not pesto with, pizza. Yeah, what if the and pesto bled into pizza? the pineapple? Oh my like, god! Oh, no, I know, no, but no. they were washing it down with rosé and vodka. So. That's true. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Again, American meal. Mm-hmm. They had a limited like number of like glass styles to choose from in the prop department. Like the alcohol was always in inappropriate glass. They were drinking red wine out of champagne flutes at one point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Honestly, Faith, I feel like that is the least of the movie's No, I really want to focus on the on the drinks. Yeah, they were inconsistent like, at best. The pizza. Did you see how they were drinking red wine out of a white wine glass? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I care about little details in a film, all right, guys. You're, the best line of Faith the whole time I'm watching the movie is like after I don't know Johnny calls Lisa his future wife 15 times you're like it's fiance the word is fiance (laughs) and what's the relationship between johnny and mark best friends he's my best friend we're best friends all right speaking of weird relationships Philip Haldeman played Denny. Oh, Denny. Oh, Denny. 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 Oh, Jesus Christ. I think Denny is like the kind of person who'd be like in on the subway just frotage all over everyone, you know? Frotage. (laughs) I'm not familiar. Do explain. I feel like he'd be like the um, (laughs) person that you don't want to be like rubbing themselves all over you. He does get uh, real. He's a frotager? Frotage is like a rubbing, you know, oh. like intimate rubbing. Okay. <laughs> Denny definitely you has dropped some... that like everyone would just know what you were talking I, about. Is it a French word? I assumed everybody knew. Do okay. you know what frotage is? No. <laughs> I was unaware until this moment. Now we have to see Justin's movie because I feel like it may come out just as weird. <laughs> I wrote it down too. I was like, it seems like the kind of guy who'd be into frotage. <laughs> I mean, Denny definitely has boundary issues. That's how I describe it in English. Jesus Christ. Okay, so in the movie, we know he's older than 18 because they he was 18 earlier. But how old is he really? I think every... I mean, that's a central question for everyone in this film is how old are they? He's like mentally the same age as, like, say, Chucky. <laughs> I feel like he's they call so it... Chucky-esque. He's so Chucky-esque. He's like the evil doll in an yes. evil man's body. I felt like... Or reverse. Real- an evil man in a in a boy body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like in real life he's like sixteen, but then in the in the movie they started having a bit of like strange sexual things with him, and then it was like, oh well, he can't be sixteen because that's too he, young. Like, he has legal. dialogue that it's Under the, the words consent. of a child that is going through puberty for the yes. first time, where he's like, I'm I see a girl and I have these weird feelings in my private areas and I don't know how to yeah. handle it, Johnny. Yeah. I know she doesn't love me because she's mean to me sometimes. Like, <laughs> sometimes she pushes like, me on the playground. Yeah. 
it's I think I'm in love with her and I want to marry her and have children with her. Well, Lisa does give some confusing signals, to be fair. Oh my god. I yes. do think it's really mature of Johnny to be so like non threatened by that. Mm-hmm. Johnny is a good guy. Yeah. Guys. By He's a, a mentally challenged so. boy. Yeah, Johnny mean, is a good guy, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he does a really impeccable chicken impression. Mm-hmm. Would you like to do it for us? <laughs> Please. Chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Come on, Ben. But then I love how he's just like, cheep, 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 cheep. just like, it just drags on. Half-hearted choke with best light on the chip, chip, cheese. There's just one other couple of actors that I do want to mention before we get into the plot fully, which is uh, Robin Paris and Scott Holmes as Michelle and Mike. I love these two. They're the yeah. couple who come in the and have, they have the food one? play. The, cho- yes. that, yeah. the chocolate makeout is like one of the grossest things. <laughs> it's hard like, to watch. Yeah, it's hard to watch. You can tell that they're like, as they're making out while chewing the chocolate, like, why is he making us do this? I would spit it out between takes, my God. <laughs> Like, it, their mouths are full of chocolate when they kiss. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I feel like the best line was XYZ XYZ. What does that mean? Examine your yeah. zipper. So, Ben, um, I'm going to shock everyone in the listening audience now. You're Canadian. Oh, yeah. Z, XYZ. Yeah. Well, were you familiar with the, the term XYZ before this? Never. Yeah. I've never heard it. Well. Wow, really? I feel like there was a lot of, like. No, you knew that. You knew that Z is how. Americans say it's Oh, did I know that? that no, no, no. The the the, the, the XYZ is oh, actually oh. a thing people say when they're eleven. No. Yeah. I never, I'd very never middle heard, school. I'd never I heard never the saying XYZ being said to mean examine your zipper. Yeah, it's yeah. a real thing. Maybe you guys just had like really good zipper etiquette when you were in middle school. No, we I'd just be like you're flying low. Or oh, low. that's like a lot cooler. You're flying mm-hmm. low. And like, that's way they cooler got than XYZ. Yeah. It makes a lot more sense. I've heard, do you have a license to sell hot dogs? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? That one I've never heard until you guys now. Are weird Canadian terms. I, I just think, though, that these two are far and away the best actors in the entire thing. It's true. And I love our observation about Michelle, which is that because she is the only person who has a normal reaction to the information she hears, she comes across <laughs> as a real person yeah. who's been dropped into the reality of this yes. movie. Like, she's the only one who goes, Johnny hit me. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm cheating on him. What? She also had this moment, too, I loved where, where Lisa was telling her uh, about her, her view on the cheating thing and how it wasn't really a problem. And... Uh, Michelle's just like your point of view is very different than mine like yeah. deadpanned but there I thought was that was so that, great too there was like the first scene she was in where she acted like a normal person and then some time goes by and in her second scene she acts like everyone else and then it kind of seems like is this a movie about some sort of like disease that everyone has and she caught it like <laughs> the last invasion of one? the body snatchers kind of situation yeah. they're all pod people in the room yeah I, I mean I, I totally was... saw it but I do think she kind of recovers herself as she the movie does, goes yeah. on. She comes back to normalcy. Mm-hmm. She fights it. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, just the guy who plays Mike, I think, has a great facial expression. So he is he a is. great facial actor. He's funny. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the plot, you guys. And uh, I also want to... Oh, wait. Oh, yeah? Go ahead. So Mark... Or er, not Mark, sorry. Um, Mike. Mike. What was it with, like, he came back to get his underwear and they were gigantic. <laughs> like, he's really not like a big guy and his underwear were huge. I thought it was a throw blanket at first <laughs> he had forgotten. It's like the first scene of that movie Angus where his underwear is the size of the flag. 
nice Angus reference. Thank you. Glad someone got it. Gotcha. I also want to touch on your predictions. And just to start, Ben, how did you feel about the special effects in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I felt like there was some pretty great camera fading that happened. Oh, absolutely. And also a perfect amount of like fuzzing of the picture at at perfect times. Which they meant to do. Yeah, of course. Some yeah. of my favorite scenes take place on the roof yeah, where the, there's a very good green screen yeah. from yes. multiple angles. Yes, yeah. They always show only two a, angles on the roof. Yeah. A 360 degree that. view of San Francisco skyline. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was perfect too. My God, why did they do that? It would have been so much easier to just go to find a rooftop. Well, well, also the other other thing is a lot of those scenes didn't really make sense on a rooftop. Like they're playing with like basketballs and like footballs, like throwing them around, which seems very risky. I did not hit her. I did not. (laughs) Oh hi, Mark. (laughs) I also feel like I the special effects were better than many of the props for me. Like for example, the wine glasses the, well no but the 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 thing problematic they, the like <laughs> the like shed they built that was like the this would have been the top of the stairs to go onto the roof was like a metal clad it looked Shack. like yeah, it looked yeah. Like, and i was like this would not and then when they show the front of their apartment building it's like this beautiful red brick building i'm like there's no way the exit for the stairs would look like that or did they just go. dress up the alley because like <laughs> earlier on the alley looked pretty janky but yeah. then like it looks beautiful like maybe lisa is like a party planner and like a interior designer because that party looks she great spruced in it up. yeah <laughs> well she has a client who's coming we know that at some right. point and she does phone calls with clients as well the phone- she's a, she's it a was psychic a- what? Phone sex operator? The gender was revealed as male. Hmm. So, but then male why? Client. Why do they allow their their friends to have to like have sex in their apartment? Because Johnny's a really good guy. Because Johnny's okay. a really good guy. Though. He doesn't mind people coming and going He's and using his. It's the place. core of their friend group. Is just like no judgment. The thing about Johnny is that his room is open to the world. I see. I see. Yeah, that's deep. Well, you know, I forgot to I say it went over my head. Johnny <laughs> reminded me a lot of um, the crow. It, go on, please. Just like in terms of his look, you know. Oh, just like really pale and dark hair. Just really pale, dark hair, and really like. I want you to imagine Tommy Wiseau in like Harlequin makeup. It, like that would be terrifying. Well, he looks like a terrifying goth, but like he, um, in the movie, I feel like he's supposed to be like the all-American guy. Of course. Loves Johnny. football. Like you know, he supports his works, wife. Yeah, works hard. Supports the nuclear family. Adopts a boy. He did seem high the whole time. <laughs> well, interestingly, this movie is also super anti-drug yeah. and alcohol. Like, yeah. That's like a very clear message. Because Denny gets caught up in drugs with right. Chris R. Right. And Tommy Tommy doesn't drink except when Lisa forces the yeah. glass yeah. like to his lips. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. Just drink it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. She, me, he owes her. <laughs> he owes her. Yeah. He owes her one. All right. I was going to save this for later, but let's just do it. I wrote down a list of lines that stood out to me. Some because they were repetitive and some because they were so crazy. so many good one-liners. Let's talk movie. about them. Number one, don't worry about it. <laughs> I feel like after you see this movie, you just keep saying that the- like for like a couple hours. It's the you catch what they have in the movie yeah. where yes. you just can't start talking like they do. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, that was great. And especially, especially when it follows directly you bringing up the thing yes. you don't want to talk about. I'm cheating on him. Excuse me? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) He's my best friend. What? (laughs) 
You are tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, that part. Had you guys ever heard that quote before? Yes, no. yes. And when I saw that, I remembered that I had heard it, but I forgot. Leading up, I was like, "Oh, this is that part." And also, then after when he like goes into his like, like crazy moment of torment, and he's just like yelling, kind of like in Cro-Magnon style. Yeah, like, ah, like, ah, like, ah, like ah, that, ah. that part was especially dreamlike. When I was talking about his like dreamlike movements, it's like he didn't quite have the force. It's like. All of his limbs were like asleep. Yeah, know? it was like he was throwing his arms with his torso rather than lifting them with the <laughs> yeah. muscles and the arms. Yeah. Like he had just sat in a strange, uncomfortable position and his they were both were dead. Yeah, he yeah. still had the wherewithal to rub that red dress against his crotch, though. <laughs> oh yeah, he did. <laughs> he did hump that red dress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those uh, memories, painful. Dude, he definitely came. Oh yeah, from the red dress. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that happens. Absolutely. In that scene. This is a line that you accurately predicted justin which is oh hi <laughs> oh hi mark oh hi danny um whenever anyone enters or leaves a room. Yeah. yeah we gotta acknowledge every entrance and exit ben i think you had a favorite line in the movie when uh tommy was in the bathroom oh yeah what did he say in a few minutes bitch <laughs> <laughs> in a few minutes bitch <laughs> that was yeah. amazing it's the only time he's remotely hostile to Lisa. Yeah. He's so hostile. <laughs> oh my god. I like when they're having minutes, bitch. When they're having the fight and he hits uh, bitch so hard. Yeah. yeah. Mark Mark is like, leave your stupid comment in your pocket. Yeah, that was another one I wrote down. <laughs> what about Oh, and also Lisa, one. can you clean up here please after he causes a mess from fighting? Well, he was so worn out from the fight. <laughs> he was tired. How about I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> I mean, that was a plot point. And it then was introduced. never addressed right. again. Like when she says, and no one wants to help me and I'm dying. You what? think she's like being Reaching melodramatic. Well, like, like you think she's like, okay, you're like, okay, mom, you got a lot going could on. Could be a cry for help as well. No, she's but clearly a socialite. She, she has really good health insurance. Right, like, right. right. Yeah, she's she, a real estate mogul. She follows oh, it up with that line. You're like, oh, okay, that you meant actually dying, not dying, like. Dying. But Lisa's reaction is just, you're gonna be fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Don't, Don't worry about <laughs> it. It'll be fine. Uh, everything is gonna be fine. Is something that I wrote down always, many times. Yeah. How about also, uh, I have to go. I'm very busy. Uh, it's a blank situation. Usually, it's awkward. a complicated situation, mm-hmm. or awkward, yeah. or it's complicated. It's very complicated. <laughs> That's why they can't ex- explain it or talk about it. Yeah. It also is not complicated at all. How convenient! <laughs> it's pretty simple. How convenient! Now we don't have to put into words what's happening. Except we will later in the scene. <laughs> all right. Well, a- anyway, Faith, how's your sex life? <laughs> I don't want to talk that about it. <laughs> One of my personal favorite things is uh, some lines and actions that take place near the end, which is, hey, everybody, let's all go outside. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, everyone, let's go inside. All right. Let's all go outside, everyone. And just everyone at the party shuffles in Back and, and shuffles out like she is fucking Professor X. More proof that she's a witch. Yeah. Wake up, sheeple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I also wrote down, leave your stupid comments in your pocket. Leave <laughs> your stupid so comments in your pocket. Um, Delivered with panache. Yeah. His chicken impression. And honestly, my favorite line in the entire movie, which is when Lisa reveals that she is not actually pregnant with anyone's child. And they're like, why would you do this? And she answers, I wanted to make it interesting. <laughs> I told them not to keep it. Because it was very yeah. boring before. Yeah. yeah. That's why she Because was... their life was so not interesting before. I mean, the thing is, Lisa's plan. So. We got off track of talking about the plot, but that's okay, because that's what this movie is like. 
Uh, and why shouldn't we just mimic the way the movie Absolutely. is, right? <laughs> Completely scattered. Lisa's plan appears to be she doesn't love Johnny anymore, so she's kind of slowly sabotaging the relationship, right? And having fun with it while, while yeah. she's at it. I mean, yeah. she yeah. starts cheating with Mark, but she also, like, she clearly wants, she she can't, like, just break up with Johnny, so she's just trying to, like, keep doling out, like, little hints to try and make it explode, you know? And it eventually peaks at this party where she, like, really starts making out with Mark in front of everyone. And then, as if she doesn't have enough plates in the air, tells everyone that she's pregnant. Yeah. That one makes no sense. It's like, why? It's like she's trying to sabotage all of her (laughs) relationships. With everybody. Maybe she's having, maybe this movie is about Lisa. Lisa has cancer. It's in her brain. And it completely changes her personality. And she starts destroying her own life. And her saying to her mom, don't, <coughs> like, don't worry about it. It's because she's ignoring her own problems. Well, yeah. well it's unknown. She I doesn't know. know she has right. cancer in her brain. I don't know if you were going to mention the theory about... Um, w- would you like to explain this? Because I think it goes a long way. Me, oh. but... So someone pointed out that both Denny and Mark behave in a way where it's kind of like not just dumb, but like shockingly naive and ill-informed about the way the world works, almost as though they have some kind of like mental problem that's consistent between the two of them. And we know that Mark is Johnny's best friend and then Johnny adopted Denny. So it seems like every generation, Johnny is adopting some like mentally challenged child and like bringing them into his life. What are you saying, Dave? He's been I'm... doing this for 500 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he sustains himself. He actually himself. feeds on their blood. Oh yeah. But what if Mark is the grown-up Denny? Like the actual Mind same person? Literally. Like there's been time travel and Mark is Denny. And they're existing simultaneously. There do seem to be a lot of universes. Like, But Mark... their behavior is so similar. Yeah. You know, exactly. And, you know, Denny, we know he's into drugs. Maybe it was the drugs. Like, right. Denny just, like, did so many drugs that he completely forgot who he was. How, how did he go back in time, though? I don't know. Denny and the Drugs is the name of my new band name. I mean, also, time travel would explain the weird timelessness that this movie appears to take place in. Yeah. Could you place the era? No. No. Like, you said at the beginning that it was in filmed in, like, 2003 or 2002. Something but it, like that, it yeah. seems, it really very looks 90s. like very 90s. Very 90s. Especially Mike. Mike was wearing a Smurf watch in the party. Like, he had frosted tips. Yeah. Like, frosted it was 98. Like yeah, but hang on. Yeah. Let's not fail to mention Tommy's pants. I was yeah, getting to that. Yeah, the zip off, the pants cargo? to zip off to shorts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those they were, looked so those full, were, those, those pockets. Those were early 2000s. Those were, yeah, those were maybe actually the most modern, yeah. ugly, I'm sorry, but the 2003 fashion scene wasn't great. And the time. suit, no, it wasn't the other great. thing was like all the suits at every point were so ill-fitting and so that was a very 90s thing. Mm. If it's the 90s, what kind of drug do you think it was that Denny was buying? Ooh, ecstasy maybe. E. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, probably E. It's a harsh e-dealer. Yeah. So yeah, Denny gets on the drugs. What kind of drugs? And, oh, and then it morally you know ruins him. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, when the drug wanted... dealer said how long for the money, he should have said in a few minutes, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all Denny really wanted was just five more minutes. Right. What and does then that he, mean? Then he gets beat up about it. 
but what does that mean in five minutes? Like, he's just standing there doing nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah, like just, who was coming in five minutes? We Don't know. worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was that he knew Tommy was going to come in five minutes and Tommy would give him the money. Yeah, maybe. That had to be it. Oh, also from the scene, I never made this connection before, Faith. I think you observed it, where I was thinking about how at the end of the movie, Johnny just has a gun. Yeah. And I'm like, right. this has never been established before, but it had. He took Chris R's gun. I mean, I think one of my favorite things about this movie is that, like, seeing it over and over is that you have new observations every time you watch it and new theories. Like, we're bringing up a lot of stuff right now, but having seen this movie before, I had different theories on those watchings. It really is just a gift that keeps on giving. It's true. I had a lot of new thoughts and observations watching it this time. We're talking about the plot, right, at this point? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, like... I also had this moment where I was like, why is there such a concentration of sex scenes in the first like 15 minutes, but then like none? And I feel like, is it, do you think he was trying to make sure people saw his butt? Well, that. (laughs) Before they like walk out of the theater, I gotta make sure that they see my ass. That, but also just like people were like, all right, there's a lot of sex in this movie. So they kind of like hang on and then, you know, then they stay for the whole, the whole movie. What do you guys think the genre, how would you describe the genre of this movie? Yeah, you thought it was going to be a dramedy. Did it live up to your expectations in that way? A grandma. It's not supposed to be a comedy. I think, yeah. I think it was funny, but I don't know if it was intended to be a comedy. I just like that. It was definitely a drama. Right. Or like a a drama. Well, I was going to say a romantic comedy again, but no, it wasn't really a comedy. I mean, it even has a a few sprinkles of just like a super serious action movie. Yeah. You know, it gets super, super action-y when uh, Denny, Denny and the drug dealer, that's that's an action movie. Shut the fuck up. Just changes tones completely. And then when um, Peter is being dangled off the roof. Over the roof. Yeah. What was with Mark just snapped? Was going to throw him off the roof? It was the drugs. It was the drugs. Don't worry about it. Like the intention behind this is to be a thriller. A thriller. In those moments. In those moments. I mean, I Psychologically. I honestly feel like Hmm. if we're going to go down the time traveling, same person angle, like it was a sci-fi. Well, actually, it's funny, Dave, that wasn't what I was trying to bring up earlier. Oh. Um, that's why I was like, you explain this, because you explained it to me. The um, relationship between Lisa and her mother with the finger kissing. Oh. oh that finger kiss. Yeah, what was this? Uh, Are they both witches? The theory Ooh. on the internet is that when Claudette does that, that's Claudette putting her evil inside oh. of Lisa. So every time she oh, leaves, like this is such a good theory. I put my evil inside you. It is a bit bewitched. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. And I mean, we we all know what kind of person Claudette is. So manipulative. And we see where the daughter gets it. And obsessed with money. Obsessed with money. Really nice pantsuits, though. Well, you know, clearly she's got a lot of money to afford them. Yeah. Which she did not get herself. She obviously got it by marrying multiple a good men. Man. That's yeah. what you yeah. do. She did say my first husband at one point, which leads mm-hmm. me to believe she's had several. Right. And well, and she tells Lisa that her dad was an asshole and she didn't like him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right, for the first time. Yeah, at least yeah. it's like, what? You've never told me that before. She's yeah. having a great day. I think you're right about, like, it was definitely not intended to be a comedy. But, like, that kind of leads to, like, why do people want to watch The Room so many times? Like, what is it about this movie that, like, makes it so addictive? It's, I feel like it's addictive because it, it's like it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's so before. idiosyncratic, and probably nothing you'll see again. Like, Everything it's about so it feels unexpected. Even the way people move, 
their intonation. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is always just a little bit off from what you would expect. Like the fact that he's like future wife, future wife instead of saying fiance. But there's like other things. Yeah, it's just everything's a curveball. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's funny not just because it's bad, but because it's strange. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's it's all it's like in this weird like askew universe where things happen a little differently, and poor Michelle has to put up with it. Right, living in this bizarre alternate universe where a normal person has found herself. <laughs> <laughs> like. What is happening? She's our audience stand-in. Did you guys feel that you were accurate predicting that this movie would be disorganized? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would say continuity is not its forte. There no. were <laughs> there were more loose ends at the end of this movie than I think in any any other movie I've seen. And I mean, just there's tons of little things too, like during that sex scene when Lisa's hair goes from up to down to up. Yes, to down. Yeah, she can't make up her mind whether she wants it to be up or down for sure. I mean, you mentioned, Ben, like even while we were watching the movie when Tommy and uh, Mark were working out and then Mark leaves for a second, goes and has a conversation with Lisa. And then like the next scene is he's back working out in the park with Tommy again. Yeah, that was the edit. I mean, they could have taken a little of that six million dollars and spent it on some editing. I wrote down the editor's name. His name is Eric Yalkut Chase. And to be honest, I don't put any blame on him. Just imagine the job you had getting this pile of film footage and just being like, do what you can with it. Like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. The timing and pacing in this movie is a central And there's no consistent tone. You get tonal whiplash from one scene to another. Like that Chris R scene goes from like, the previous scene is nothing and then it's up to 10 with like a quasi action scene yeah. and then like back down to nothing's ever happened again. Like the and next then, scene after that is like a romance like call between like Lisa and Mark. Yeah. Yeah. And then right into a sex scene. Just oh directly God. high speed into a... Hey you guys, um, is Lisa attractive? <laughs> I really, I can't tell. Well, I can't tell what people in the film think. She looks hot tonight. That's all I'm saying. There was the right near the end, some a, a new character who we'd never met, who had who was at the birthday party, mm-hmm. did comment about how hot she looked tonight. Yeah, all I mean that's his she to his girlfriend. Yeah, Constantly. to his own girlfriend. Yes, yeah. I thought she looks who hot also tonight. concurred. I thought she was really pretty. Yeah, no, that's that's not what I mean. Although I I will say, I mean the character. Like oh. everyone's always commenting on her appearance. They're always right. like. You know, like everyone has certain characteristics that are repeated endlessly just to like drive them home. So uh, Johnny, Johnny is a good guy. He mm. he supports all these people. Everyone loves Johnny. Johnny's emotionally sensitive and this will break him. Lisa, Lisa's so attractive. <laughs> She's beautiful. You love each other. Lisa's very attractive. I can see why you like her, Danny. Mark is Johnny's best friend. That's who he is. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's got a role to play. That's well, and it's is. funny that all those roles are just so obviously Tommy Wiseau's voice. Like none of them right. have any. Oh, it's just like yeah. him. All of these characters. This movie unfolds voice. inside Tommy Wiseau's mind. Absolutely. Like all of these people are avatars of his personality. Like the sheet, the character, except for Michelle. Yeah, the character description sheet in his mind would be like Lisa, attractive. I mean, it, I, I always like to think that the alternate title to this movie is. Who hurt you, Tommy? Yeah. <laughs> because it's so yeah. clearly like Tommy had something from his perspective. He made like this as a vendetta. Oh, yeah. 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 This Lisa is clearly someone in his life who he feels did this exact thing to yeah. him. This All is definitely a vendetta revenge. So project. obvious. All like the characters are Tommy. Like when it's when Lisa's mom is talking to her and she's like, Well, at least someone's listening to their mother. It's like hmm. clearly she's talking about. Maybe that's also why he was so 
set on having his his ass in the film because right. if it is like a revenge movie look how good i look yeah he's like check, like yeah look what you're missing but well also, and everyone describes him as like being an angel right you know right and, and she's the manipulative bitch yeah yeah sorry Aaron, I oh no that's okay uh but also the ending is then so dark like right. that's his ultimate revenge well it's the he'll classic to, like don't yeah. miss me when i'm gone thing right Maybe. but he'll go to that extent to make them have like feelings for him again it's actually quite sad but loss like so the ultimate revenge is that he's dead he's gone and And it's he's a martyr he's a martyr there's like it's like a christ-like pose at the end right it's their fault but also you know that's but who gets hurt the most it's denny at the end like denny (laughs) is like most devastating although uh i thought about it this time around uh there would not have been enough time for tommy to change his will so whoever Lisa actually winds up okay because presumably she inherits a lot of his estate as well. But they're not—they were married. They weren't married yet. Well, I'm assuming he had a will because Tommy just seems like that kind of responsible person. No, he'd no, be too no. young to have a will. Oh, that's right, because he's so young. He's 26 right. or whatever. Like 26 in the movie. No one's gonna right. pay Denny's rent anymore, which is really sad. He's gonna go on the streets and start. And don't worry about drugs. it, Justin. It'll be fine. <laughs> also, and what was it, what was it when the the, the storyline in the end where Tommy kills him, Johnny kills himself, and then. Uh, Mark just does a 180 on Lisa, and so it's, it's like it's all your fault. fault. You are you're Mark responsible never for takes, takes responsibility no for responsibility anything through the whole that. movie. Yeah. He fucks her, and then the first thing he says is, "Why did you do this to me?" <laughs> yeah, this is all your fault. And like, granted, she's manipulative, but like, he never takes responsibility never. for his actions at any point. No. And again, knowing that this is all just a weird revenge fantasy for Tommy Wiseau—that's an interesting choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, it's not even the other blames. guy's fault. It's her right. fault for like tricking him yeah, into right. it, he basically. Puts it all on the girl. Yeah. yeah the but word. also a little bit of betrayal too. Yeah. Like he, betray- yeah. my best friend, betray me. <laughs> There's the talented Mr. Ripley influence. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah totally. There it is. Good call. So, uh, who here knows what the Bechdel test is? I do. I do. Does anyone not know what it is? Me. Okay, so. The Bechdel test is kind of like a cinematic shorthand for analyzing a movie's treatment of women. Oh, I do know this test. It's like if their lines are like not directed to a man. Wait. All right. It's. I'll, I'll tell you. It's, uh, I can. I think I can explain this. Yeah. If I got this one. I don't know. Are you sure a girl can really talk about feminism? Oh no. <laughs> you know. Do it. Yeah. Do it. No. Do it. If, so the Bechdel test is that a movie has. Uh, more than one female character. That's the first uh, point. Two, they have lines with each other. They have a conversation with each other. And they ta- three, they talk about something other than a man. Right. Yeah. So this movie, I think it almost gets there, but it fails on point three. Like mm-hmm. there are multiple like named large role female characters and they talk to each other, not just other, not, not just they the male characters. a lot of girl talk. Yeah. But the, at the end, they're only ever talking about Johnny. Yeah. 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 Although to be fair, that's kind of the only thing anyone is ever talking about in this movie is how great Johnny is or how much it's going to hurt when he finds out. It certainly centers around Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Not a great deal of diversity in this movie either. That's true. No, no, there isn't. But, you know, I'm not looking to Tommy Wiseau for that. (laughs) Um, Does anyone have anything else from their notes or anything that they want? I mean, there's so many things we could go into with this movie, like uh, fucking... Lisa tells everyone that he hit her and like he gets upset but like his reaction like they don't he gets angry and like cries about it but I feel like 
in a real couple, that would be the cause of a fight, like a real fight where he's like, why on God's green earth are you telling all of our friends that I hit you? You are like doing something very bad for me. Well, he downplays a lot of serious things. Like Mark tells him the story about um, something that in quotes happened to someone Mark knew um, like a girl cheated on a guy and then wound up in the hospital. And he's like, oh, funny story. I guess he doesn't consider violence against women that big a deal then. Apparently not. He clearly has a very um, inappropriate relationship. A skewed women. relationship a skewed, yeah. with women, as he does with basically everything in the world. I mean, just in terms of things I like about this movie, I always, when it starts and we're like in the room, I notice how obsessed I am with the light. Like, it, it's really like inauthentic like mimicking real light, but at the same time, it kind of looks expensive. Like they're, sh- they're shooting it from like different angles and like they, they have candles, they have like small lamps, but they, you can't tell what time of day it is. It always looks like nighttime inside their apartment. Mm-hmm. I never, at all yeah. times. Yeah. There's a few central things that I just, I never know what time it is. Um, I don't know what anyone's age is in this movie. Everyone acts like a 10 year old. And I think I yeah. noticed that more this time watching it than before. How, Everything is like they're at summer camp, weirdly. Like, mm-hmm. they're all 10. Well, and especially to the way everyone's in and out, it's more like a cabin at summer camp than an mm-hmm. actual house. Like, pillow fights. Everyone's always having People pillow fights. People in and out of scenes. Well, and also they're always, like, coming in, doing one thing, and then leaving again. It's like, hey, every... Oh, hi. Hey. Here's this uh, thing I was talking about. I have to go. Bye. Capture the flag <laughs> is, like, starting in 10 minutes or something. What um, was what? There was a couple... like. Two things that stand out for me are um, when Denny comes in and talks to Lisa, and then they just squat down in front of the door. <laughs> there are they are behind two chair. chairs. Yeah, in a way that's really inconvenient. That was for so the strange. Like you can't even see them because the chair's in the way, and you're like, "Why are you? Yeah, Why and they can't just the chair, sit in a chair. The top of the chair remains in the shot of the cameras like going forward to go to them. They just squat it was the in the doorway. Thing. All the Denny Lisa scenes make me very uncomfortable. Yeah. And the Johnny Denny scenes don't. Yeah, that too. I mean, Jesus, what is that relationship? I mean, I think we were all kind of laughing the hardest when Lisa was having her freak out like um after Denny was caught like <gasps> yeah. What kind of drugs yes. Denny? She when cared about into, that more than anything else. When it turned into movie. a different That's right. She genre. never gets yeah. more worked yeah. up than she does then. That's yeah. the only time we ever see her upset. When she does worry about it. And to totally. be fair, the last <laughs> shot of the movie totally. is Lisa does come back to comfort Denny even though he like told her to leave. She's still like I'm here for you. I think those two have a bright future. Oh my god. <laughs> the room yeah. part 2. Denny's I Revenge. That, I like that Denny was baking. Denny's Revenge. And he, like came, he came up into their apartment. He's like, do you have eggs and flour and sugar and milk? Like basically all the ingredients I need to make the cake. You I need a cake, make. Denny. <laughs> we can just give you a cake. The other thing that, the, I think one other thing that stood out for me too was like the recorder. So there was like Johnny. Record- answering machine. Johnny's like, I'm going to put a, I'm going to record this. And then what was the recorder there for at least several days? And somehow it was like a room recorder, but it could record literally everything, like even a phone call. Yeah, right, audio... it wasn't connected to the phone call. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't connected like to the phone at all. It, but like... I was like, the audio quality on this wiretap is, is exquisite. Yeah. Right, like you think the technology is only like circa 91, but it's actually far more advanced. <laughs> In this universe, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, different rules for audio. Like you can yes. hear. Yes. There's yes. a scene early in the movie 
where there's non-diegetic music playing. It's part of the movie's score. It's not actually happening. And yet, Mark talks about being able to hear it. He's like, you've got all this music on. And you're like, how does he hear the music? <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, it breaks, it breaks that fourth wall a lot. I mean, reality is very loose around the edges in this film. Right. You know, Peter turns into another man. Yeah, you know, it really feels more and more like a sci-fi movie now that I'm yeah. thinking about it. It's very dreamlike. Tommy is a shapeshifter. Totally. We saw him starting to change there at the end when he does his werewolf yeah. transformation grunts. Yeah. Like, exactly. ah, 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 you know. I actually just had the thought too, given that so much of this movie is clearly autobiographical and uh, all the relationship stuff seems to have to be something that Tommy Wiseau went through. That means that somewhere out there in the world, there is a real Denny. Or is Denny Tommy as like a young boy who you wished he'd had a mentor right. like or, Johnny? Here's a here's right. a gross, crazy thought. What if Denny is how Tommy Wiseau sees Greg Sestero? I think that's actually definitely possible. Yeah. Like one thing that Disaster Artist is about is like what, like the question of what actually was their relationship. It doesn't really answer it to a satisfying degree because Greg Sestero has been cagey about it. Like they met when Greg was really young. 19, which is around the age that Tommy theoretically, or Johnny theoretically met Denny. Yeah, it's just like how they like were best friends and then like some stuff happened. It's it's all a little funny. Oh, so like now, you know, in like in real life now, they don't talk. Greg and I think Tommy. they are friends again. I think yeah, they're friends they, again. They come back okay. together, yeah. Well, because like this movie has had a whole life right. after they've it even came made out. another movie together. Which one? I don't know very much about it. All I know is that um Tommy Wiseau is a morgue, a mortician. Okay. And he hires Greg's sister as like okay. an apprentice or something like that. Wow. I mean, yeah. are we gonna talk about the life of the movie after it came yeah. out? Let's get into it. So um first of all, how did it do? Then you were spot on. This movie cost six million dollars at the box office. It made one thousand eight hundred dollars. <laughs> but it was only released in like a handful of California theaters at first, right? That is correct. Yeah. But um, just before that, real quick, there was some minor advertising that they did. So some of where the money went, but a lot of that money went to the main advertising. They got the biggest fucking billboard <laughs> up over Hollywood. And no one had the fucking slightest idea what it was about. Are there phone What numbers? was on it? It included his phone number, yeah. His real phone number. What? It was, so it's the room, and then to the right of that, it's Tommy Wiseau's face, and then the tagline of the room, which is, can you ever really trust anyone? And then like a phone number. And people were talking about this. I remember even a little bit when this happened, people being like, what is up with this billboard? What is it genius, advertising? I guess. In a weird way, yes. Yeah. But did people call him? I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if people just randomly call. I'm them. sure. I mean, must have. Yeah. Yeah. Some. Well. Yeah. Anyway, no one understood what them. it was, and then the movie came out and flopped. But Wiseau paid to keep the billboard up for over five years. Oh, wow. At the cost of five thousand dollars a month. Its bizarre imagery and longevity led to it becoming a minor tourist attraction. <laughs> I can see that. No I shit. feel like Tommy Wiseau is like a secret genius. Yeah. You saw uh, the movie he made. My God. I think he's a genius. I, I think, think he's so happy to hear you say that. I think he's an oh, yes. underestimated genius after seeing this movie and hearing all of this. So here's some reviews. I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> here's some reviews from the time. So 
actress Robin Paris, who plays Michelle, she describes that during the first screening of the movie, uh, the audience was laughing at the film. Scott Foundus, a reporter from Variety, was also at the premiere, and he said most of the viewers went to ask for their money back before even 30 minutes had passed. IFC.com reviewed the movie, saying Wiseau's speaking voice sounds like Borat trying to do an impression of Christopher Walken playing a mental patient. Whoa. Ooh, that's harsh. That cuts deep. Also so spot on, right? Like, Jesus, if you took all those ingredients and put them in a bag and shook it up, I think you kind of get Tommy Wiseau a little bit. The Guardian described the film as a mix of Tennessee Williams, Ed Wood, R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also so fun. I feel like reviewers are geniuses. <laughs> they write so well. They you know think, their craft. Yeah. Everyone's a genius. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm being extra complimentary today. Um, this movie just fills you with joy. That's why. He's following the moral of the movie, which is that if, every, if there was a little bit more love in the world, mm-hmm. it would be a better place. So for its legacy, eventually just through word of mouth and the right people discovering and getting into this film, it became kind of slowly over time a midnight movie staple. I mean, we were looking it up today. It's literally playing at midnight like in a town yeah, near yeah. us. Yeah, we can actually go see it tonight at midnight. People love it ironically, obviously, and it's considered one of the best worst movies. It's been described by some as the Citizen Kane of bad movies, you know, on a par with like Plan 9 from Outer Space or Manos, The Hands of Fate. Troll 2, which is another film that actually has a movie about the making of it. It's so bad. Uh, And bad movie podcasts love it. A lot of them kind of spread the word on this movie. And the podcast, How Did This Get Made, did such a, like, big episode around this movie. They're actually in The Disaster Artist. They have uh, Paul Shear, Jason Manzoukas, and June Diane Raphael have roles in the film. Like, play the podcast producer. No, they play, they're actually actors, so they got real parts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, these this movie's fans are like very ardent. Yeah, of course they are. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an ardent fan of this film. Can't even talk. I've been thinking about Tommy Wiseau too much. Um, <laughs> she rubs off on you. Yeah, I know. Clearly, he started rubbing off on poor Michelle. So yeah, it had a lot of celebrity fans, and eventually it just you know snowballed, and it became famous for what we know it as now, which is so a great I, bad movie. I guess we can assume that now he is like successful financially. I don't know. I think he's always been financially successful somehow. And he's also incredibly unclear about what's going on with him in his past or present. Like, no one really knows the deal with his life. He never gives a straight answer to anything. Do you think this is like someone's uh, alter ego? No, no, I don't think it's like an art project. I think it's real. You can't fake that. Right. Yeah, it's it's very genuine. Also, the things that he does admit about himself are so weird. He, um, the only other thing he's admitted really is that he used to sell irregular denim pants. He was an irregular denim pants salesman, and that's how he got a lot of his money. I could actually use a pair of those. Irregular. irregular. Like yeah. irregular yeah. fitting? Like, or irregular, yes, like, like her, made in, incorrectly in the factory. The factory or seconds. After. Yes. I mean, if the way he wears pants is any, like, indication. Do we also know, like, where is Tommy Wiseau today? I, I mean, guess I, I saw him at the Oscars. 
He's basically, he's I everywhere. think, he's... like, living because of this movie. Like, he became famous because of this movie, and his job is, like, promoting this movie. Yeah, he's right. eating out on it. Yeah, he definitely, my friend actually met him. She lives in L.A. She, like, what? has a picture with him because he goes to a lot of the Rocky Horror-esque screenings. Um, and what did she say about him? She said he was he was nice. But I don't know. She didn't have a lot to say. I mean, he was just like, yes, hello, I'm Tommy. Let's take a picture. Okay. But I think it's been a journey right. for him. Like, at first, he yeah. intended this movie to be serious. He, he like, wanted it to be in the Oscars. He thought it was going to, like, win major awards. And then when everyone, like, was laughing at it, I think it took him some time to, like, come to terms with what the movie was going to become in that people's eyes. Cognitive yeah. dissonance is so interesting. It must have it been so crazy for him to be at the Oscars last year as a guest of someone who played him in a movie about the making of his movie. Yeah. And like, so that's, that's the last so thing meta. about the legacy is that Greg Sister wrote the uh, disaster artist as a tell all about the making and it became popular and then became this movie that is about the making of this, you know, strange thing. And then he got to watch that, you know, right. he got to see other people playing him. And then he also really got to watch. Well. Yeah. And then he also got to watch James Franco, like go and accept an Oscar for it. You know, what would be in uh, golden globe? Oh, sorry. Golden okay, Globe, Golden yeah, Globe. he got me too. That might, I feel like that's potentially something that would be really hard for him. Like, Well, it took he's... him a while to accept it. Like, at first, it's like you said, he was hurt by the reaction to the movie, and only later did he kind of start to play into the, like, funny end. Like, now he claims it was always a comedy, but he's lying. Right. Like, specifically the fact that the disaster artist is doing, like, relatively well, or what, has done relatively well? It was well? nominated yeah. for many it's, awards. Yeah. It was so, very it's good. very successful, yeah. Like, here's a good. movie based on the movie he made that was laughed at, and now this is, like, getting, like, praise, and... I mean, I think he's the kind of person who just wants to be appreciated, and he doesn't necessarily care what kind of appreciation it is. James Franco really was very sensitive to not Mo- like making a mockery of him like he was really trying to give him make him a um, sympathetic person yeah make him yeah to make him an emotionally i don't know which i think is kind of an impossible task he just always seems like a mystery right he's so emotionally stunted too but um hmm. i thought he did a really good job and he had a, a good relationship with tommy wiseau throughout the whole production which i think was helpful um i just wonder could they do disaster artist 2 which is James Franco portraying Tommy Wiseau during the making of the Disaster Artist. Oh, like that, that Jim, like that Jim Carrey movie when he did oh Man God. on the Moon. Yeah, or like Synecdoche, New York, where yeah. it just like starts it's to be like, like versions upon versions. Well, upon he directed versions. it too. I think that's and... a great idea. Oh my God! Copyright it real quick. <laughs> yes, James publish Franco, this episode. Yeah. We can just get further and further. Out. Like the Disaster Artist two, but the two will be like a squared. <laughs> he did the voice or TOO. Yeah. The room cubed. <laughs> he kept um, not totally in character while directing, but he did keep the voice well, like the whole day. Wow. So That's hard, I imagine. It would be probably a pretty funny behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. I don't know. I feel like if I started doing that voice, it would be a little hard to stop as yeah, well. Yeah, you'd fall into a rut of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. Well, we're coming to the end of our little podcast here. And let's start with our newbies. Ben, Justin... What did you think of this film? I loved the experience of watching it. I was so thoroughly entertained. Yeah, it was, I don't know what to say other than I loved it. Nice. Ben? I thought it was just an absolute trip. Like, it was in so many ways something I'd like never seen before. 
it there was points where i laughed very loud out loud i don't know i thought it was it was just so unique um but i also loved it i just but it was just so unique it was so singular nice nice well then last of my questions for you two do you consider this movie better late or never keeping in mind that what i mean by this is that a movie that's better late is one that having seen it now you feel like your cinematic life is richer and fuller and better whereas if you had gone through your life never having seen this movie that would have been okay that's a never what do you think definitely better late i am i'm now like really excited about like going down an internet wormhole about it's rewarding yeah (laughs) and like i want to see that other movie i want to see the disaster artist i want to i want it all (laughs) i'm here (laughs) yeah i have to i say i think the same i think it was better late for sure um 100 percent. and i think that it's rare i guess to see a movie in which the it's so clear that so much like effort was put in oh there was so much they want that he wanted to go into this movie and wanted to cut it's come and it's out truly of this movie. the work of an auteur like this is so clearly the the uncompromised vision of a single man absolutely and it's i think it's so rare that that happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> you say what you say it's like true. you it's, you could really tell a lot of effort went into it it's like this movie was a real struggle to make well they were trying really hard <laughs> yeah like it, and well yeah so much effort went into it and although it's a, it is like a complete disaster in a lot of ways I don't know. I just think it's so rewarding to see it because you don't see something like that. It's so unique. It's a fascinating mess. It's completely a fascinating mess. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Well, cool. And now, ladies, having seen it before, I guess I want to ask you guys, does this movie hold up? I say 100% yes. It's like seeing it for the first time every time. I feel like I always notice something different. You always discover something more. I think because you spend so much time laughing or saying like, what the fuck did I just hear that you miss like a third of the movie each time. Yeah, there's just so much mess there to really untangle it every time. It's always um, there's always something new. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's really important when you're seeing this movie to see it with a group of people, especially if you're watching it for the first time. Like watching it with people who've already seen it can actually be helpful, even though they're kind of like, oh, I want to give away this part. Like this is one of those movies where I think for most people it lives up to the hype. You may have heard a lot of things about it, but you still have no idea what you're going to get. And like even watching it multiple times, you're still like, I can't believe that this is happening. You're just kind of laughing in disbelief half of the time. Yeah, I feel like if you knew every single point about the plot of this movie, you still are going to be in for a surprise. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you, Faith, that I think having uh, a nice mix of people who have and haven't seen the movie uh, makes for the perfect watching environment because you get you get those newbies whose enjoyment of the first viewing you get to vicariously enjoy yourself, but then you've got the experienced watchers who, you know, in Rocky Horror Midnight Movie style can kind of like call your attention to some of the more critical stuff and uh, reinforce what you're watching a little bit. Yeah, so like for me also, this movie definitely holds up and it's, you know, it's something that I may not want to watch it again like next week, but I definitely want to watch it again maybe in like six months with someone else who hasn't seen it. Totally, totally. Agreed. Well, cool guys, that's it for today. If you want to email me, my email is betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com or at betterlate underscore pod on Twitter. Guys, <laughs> uh, 
And cool. Well, that was a lot of fun, you guys. I think this experiment, assuming the audio is any good, was a rousing success. Yeah. We'll find yeah. out. Hands in the room, everybody. Damn. Oh, bye, guys. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Oh, bye. And that's Thank us. Thanks for having us, Dave. I have to go. Later.